Welcome back, everybody, to the Knights of the Dawn podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Megan. And we are here to begin our reviews of the third book of the Fablehaven series. Today we're going to be doing chapters one through six, which is Nipsies Through Plague, and sharing our thoughts and um, ideas and impressions. Um, uh, just a quick forewarning, though. I am feeling a little bit under the weather. weather. My nose is a bit stuffed. And my vo- my throat's a bit scratchy, so uh, excuse me if I have to sneeze, cough, sniffle, and or all of the above during this recording. Yeah, we'll try to cut that out as much as we can, but just so you know. <laughs> it's a possibility. Yeah. So, yeah, these, this is the beginning of third book, Group of the Shadow Plague, and this is one of my favorite books in the series, so it's I'm really excited one. to get into it. Yeah. Um, Where did we end up, like, because at this point, I believe we've already released our tier list where did we rank this book on our tier list um i believe in the a tier i'd say i took a picture hold on i want to say as well your a tier so yeah if you guys don't know what we're talking about we released a youtube video talking about where we rank all of brandon mole's books and we did a tier list and of his main series yeah of all his series and this one oh interesting it actually ended at the bottom of the a Oh, it snuck in, did it? Yeah, but it's still above book one and two. So. Interesting. Love that. Okay, cool. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so if you want to hear more about our analysis, like, because, like, obviously we're going to, only going to get into the first six chapters of this book today, but if you want to hear our, like, general analysis in that video, please go ahead and check it out. We had a lot of fun during that one. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear general thoughts about every one of the books, mm-hmm. check that out. So, yeah, I like how this book begins. It's just Seth going off doing things he's not supposed to be doing, but in a way helps everyone, <laughs> which is kind of funny. He's, he's, he's doing it responsibly. Yes, he is definitely, I like, I, yeah, I like these chapters because Seth has matured more and gotten a little smarter mm-hmm. about how to break the rules and when to break the rules. And he still is has the goal of getting rich off of gold, but he's more responsible about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, like said. no more stealing gold because that nearly got him mugged last yeah. time. No more like, like he's like, I gotta, it's gotta be clean. It's gotta have no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's being very smart about it. Yeah, he's learning from his mistakes. And so he's decided to go to the Nipsies, which Newell and Doran have been going to them. They're these little tiny, like quarter inch tall like, i believe really t- yeah really really small like yeah i think like a quarter inch like, so said. tiny little people who have their own like kingdoms and society and new and doran have declared themselves the supreme gi- gigantic overlords of the nipsies because they quote unquote protect them or something but when they get to the nipsies they find out that something strange is happening with some of the kingdoms of the Nipsies, and that two of the kingdoms have turned dark. Mm-hmm. And I love how, like, later on in the section, we kind of get an explanation. Like, they're like, well, did they fall? Because, like, we have fairies and naiads who yeah. could fall into a, like, a fallen state. Mm-hmm. Like, there's imps for fairies, <clears throat> and then there's just, like, mortality for naiads. But... Now we have, like, these nipsies who are just dark, and we're like, well, that's not the same thing. And so, and I love how even Newland Doran are like, uh, 
this doesn't feel right. Yeah, they can tell something's off. And so, because <clears throat> when they get there, the Nipsies who are not have turned, who have not turned darker, like these other Nipsies are trying to like invade our other kingdoms and like we need your help. And so I think it was Doran who no, decided. It's Newell. It's Newell. It's Newell who decides to like take down the invading armies of the Nipsies, which is kind of funny to like picture because like there's like thousands of Nipsies, but, but they're, they're all so small that like the kingdom doesn't take up more than like the inside of a hill. Yeah. It's so it's like it's like a giant civilization inside a tiny like it's so small. So it's kind of funny to imagine big giant <laughs> Newell yeah, like, going in and taking down the tiny little Nipsies. I, I think a good way like um Seth described like their warships that the dark Nipsies were making were about the size of size of his shoe. So yeah. I'm putting it like the same scale as like, you know, like those really intricate like ships that you make in a bottle. Ship in oh, a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Like I think about that scale. Like if those ships were fully manned by crew mm-hmm. and then like just imagine an entire civilization. Yeah. Cool, right? It's cool, but also like crazy. Love the world building. Love the world building. I guess kind of the funny thing that comes to my mind is you know in Lilo and Stitch when Stitch like makes like a like a city in <laughs> Lilo's house yes. and he's like the giant like walking around kicking and breaking stuff like no more caffeine for you. <laughs> I know Newell was like trying not to do damage, but that's just kind of like what comes to mind like a giant creature going around like to their perspective kind of like thousands of feet yeah. tall just like completely destroying all of their like war efforts yeah and undermining them like mm-hmm. that's that's a great great way to put it yeah. That's just kind of what came to my mind. But then, so, the Nipsies are so grateful to Newell and Doran. The good Nipsies are grateful. The other ones promise vengeance. Yeah, the other ones are like, watch your back, because we're coming after you. And But, like, the good Nipsies are so grateful that they let Newell and Doran and Seth take gold and riches and stuff from them as in payment for their help. And Seth is like, oh, cool, I got what I wanted. But now he's kind of like, this is a problem. <laughs> And he has to try and figure out how to tell Grandpa without getting in trouble. And I love how, like, you see it, like, eat away at him for, like, the next chapter or two where yeah. he's just, like, Ugh. He's, like, stewing over it. Like, I did something bad by their standards, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I learned very useful and probably information that Grandpa needs to hear. Mm-hmm. But if I tell him, that also prevents him from getting to do stuff that he enjoys, like going out and wandering off into the forest. Yeah. He's got to, like, do, like, self-incrimination <laughs> for the greater good, basically. And I absolutely adore how the secret ends up coming out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so. We'll talk about that scene. Yeah, yeah. we're fasting forward a little bit. But um, before that, we get to Kendra, who is, like, literally stewing outside of the quiet box. Yeah. Just about, like. Like we're we're immediately jumping back into the mystery that we were left off of um, in the last book, where we're just wondering: is the Sphinx a traitor? Mm-hmm. And like, I love how everybody is just like, crap, because now that this is the first time he's been accused, like they say that it has happened before. Yeah, but this is the first time that there has been substantial, well, circumstantial evidence enough to warrant deeper investigation yeah and they're trying yeah they literally sent warren off to try and like figure out where the sphinx comes from and they sent tanu to investigate the fallen brazil fallen preserve in brazil Mm -hmm. to see if he could a find maddox and to b find b find the uh artifact and c um figure out if the sphinx was involved at all 
Yeah. And he failed in every one of those aspects, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only way he succeeded was in leaving a um, escape route for Maddox if he finds it. So who, if anybody has forgotten, is the, fe- the fairy broker, Maddox Fix- Fisk, who we met in book one. Yeah. Fun guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Kendra's just sitting outside of the quiet box thinking about Vanessa. And I think this, like, this is what Vanessa wanted. Mm-hmm. She wanted, like, Kendra to, like, be thinking about it. And like specifically to be thinking about her, be thinking about her, and, and what like she could, know. yeah. Because now to Kendra, Vanessa represents like answers to their questions and their problems, which she is, like, which, she, yeah, she is. But it's also part of you know the manipulation of Vanessa to try and get her mm-hmm. out of the quiet box. So <clears throat> the plot thickens. <laughs> the plot thickens, yes. And so Kendra also ends up starting to study like. Like, the old journals of Pat and Burgess, and we're, we get some really nice Pat and Lena, like, journal entry, like, where Patton's just, like, celebrating the fact that he did manage to lure, no, not lure, to convince Lena to leave the pond. And it's just such a sweet little passage yeah. in his journal where he's just, like, so happy and jubilant, and, like, I'm just reading this, and I'm like, get you a man who looks at you like Pat and Burgess looks at Lena. Oh, Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, that whole scene where, yeah, where she's, like, reading the journal from mm-hmm. Patton. So good. All right. So before Kendra gets to the journal, though, she do- they do have a conversation with Warren, who has also returned, like, who, who, as we said, has returned from his investigations. Exploits. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, one additional thing. Um, we're having a gathering. The Knights of the Dawn are getting together for the first time in 10 years. Whoop, whoop. Uh, family reunion. Only problem, and I can just see him, like, just, like, biting his words, like, just knowing this is not going to go He's over well. like, well, yeah. <laughs> All right, just got to throw the fat in the fire. Uh, Kendra needs to come. Mm-hmm. And it goes about over as well, about as well as he's expecting. Yeah, grandma and grandpa are like, uh, excuse you, what are you talking about? And um, I really do like, though, how they reason through it. Yeah. Well, and, like, they're they're thinking of it, like, every way possible, because they're like, well, the Knights of the Dawn are, like, the group fighting against the society and everyone suspects that the sphinx is the leader of the knights of the dawn and so they have to talk about you know possible ramifications of that because if the sphinx is a traitor he's the leader of the knights of the dawn and part of the society but if he's not he is trying to help and so like they have to try and like you know reason their way into being like, is this actually a good thing for Kendra to become a part of the Knights, or is it just like a trap? And even besides that, even if A, the Sphinx isn't a traitor, or B, he isn't the leader of the Knights of the Dawn, they do have a confirmed case of a traitor in the Knights of the Dawn, and Vanessa. Yeah, Vanessa was a knight, and so... A highly respected, well-regarded knight who, like, had no, like, who had no, like, Suspicious prior, activity. Yeah. No, no prior out like, no prior ex- suspicions that yes. she was a traitor. Exactly. Yeah. And so even if the Sphinx isn't a factor, that is. Mm-hmm. But I do really love how they reason through it. How like in the end it's become it comes like down to, how do we not place ourselves in suspicion for knowing who the Sphinx is? Mm-hmm. And what they reason is like if we didn't have if we didn't suspect the Sphinx at all, we would not hesitate to say Kepler yeah needs to go. Like, they wouldn't find an excuse. They wouldn't say just no. 
they would say, oh, yes, she needs to go because there's nowhere she'd be safer. And so due to that, they say, fine. And then, of course, Seth has to be snarky and be like, well, I guess there's only one problem left then. How do I get invited? Yeah. And it's funny because during this whole thing, when they talk about the Knights of the Dawn, at the, up until that point, they only Seth and Kendra only knew that Warren was a knight. And then all of a sudden, Tanu and Coulter and even Grandpa are like, oh, yeah, we're like Grandpa's retired, so we, but he was a part of the Knights of the Dawn. And then like Coulter and Tanu are also part of the Knights of the Dawn. And Seth is like, wait, you're a knight too? You're a knight too? Wait, how do I join this? Kendra gets to be a knight? Why don't I get to be invited to this? And so it's kind of funny how he's, <laughs> again, feeling like left out and being like, wait, wait, I want to go do cool missions and stuff. And so yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So that, and then after that, we like Kendra starts reading Pat- Patton's journal. Yeah. Super sweet part. Like, uh, this last uh, his last par- uh, paragraph. Um, or not the last one. Uh, after all, like he's like describing how she fought off her sisters and rescued him, and like he's just like the way he describes it is just so poetic and just gorgeous. Love it. And then it's like after. After all, what is immortality when confined to a sad little pond with such petty companions? I will unveil wonders to her that others of her kind have never imagined. She shall be my queen, and I her most ardent admirer and protector. I mean, come on! Uh, like, who? First that's of all, only, that's only a sample. That is, like, a crazy way to talk, mm-hmm. but, like, crazy, like, intriguing and like very good <laughs> like, like you can tell like he is just this like over the moon yeah passionate patent passionate patent yes <laughs> he is passionate he is the kind of person that puts his whole person into things mm-hmm. and we love it mm-hmm. uh, history will not be imitated rather a new standard of love shall be established for the ages time will certify my devotion on this i would gladly stake my very soul I mean, come on. Yeah, it's like, wow. It's like a poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know it. Uh, but then, of course, Seth has to come in and kind of ruin it. <laughs> Seth is like, only nerds read. Like, he just starts, like, making fun of Kendra for reading. And, and then she, she's like... She tortures him with, like, oh, yeah, but I'm finding out about these cool, dark places in Fable even like this tar pit and this place. And Seth's like, wait, what? She's yeah. like, you could read and find out. He's like, ha ha, no. But I'm going to find it anyways. Yeah. (laughs) But, oh my gosh, I love the zinger that Kendra has. Like, Seth is, like, totally bored because at this point he's, like, stuck in the house. Like, and just, like, he's still being watched pretty carefully, even before Grandpa knows about the Nipsey thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, I'm so bored. And Kendra says, I'm not bored. I'm going to Atlanta, which is where the meeting between the Knights of the Dawn is taking place and yeah. Seth just is so pissed by that remark. He's like low blow. He is fuming. <laughs> oh, love that. Like He's like how many revenants have you destroyed? Why did you get an invite but not me? Kinder's like, oh, I haven't destroyed any but I also, I did take, take, take down a demon, a witch, a huge winged acid breathing three-headed panther. Just to name a few. <laughs> And then Seth is like, I'm still mad I miss seeing the panther. Like, he's still bitter about that. I love how he has matured just a bit. Uh But at the same time, he still is just Seth. (coughs) Yeah, he still, like, wants, he desperately wants to be part of the action and the adventure. And And he's also crap at keeping secrets. Yeah, then he, he literally says, like, I have a secret. And then Kendra, 
who is like slyly trying to be like you know she knows learning him. the secret she just pretends to like not be interested and like continue reading she's like oh cool you know but like <sighs> he like continues to talk about it and he says have you ever heard of the nipsies she's like oh, no they're the smallest fairy people they build little cities and stuff they're about half an inch tall tiny the size of tiny bugs Cool. And, yeah, and she's still pretending. <laughs> and then Seth I love how to... she's doing it, like, on purpose. She's, like, she's feigning disinterest. Yeah. Knowing that it's not going to oh. take him that long to crack. She's, like, she knows exactly how to get to him. She knows how to get stuff out of him. And then he says, if you knew something, that might be dangerous. But telling people about it could get you in trouble and make you lose a lot of money. Would you tell anyone? And immediately, <laughs> Grandpa, Seth has a secret to tell you about the Dipsies. <laughs> Seth's, like, you're a traitor. I just love the sales so exchange. I'm just helping smart Seth defeat idiot Seth. I guess smart Seth is glad, Seth said reluctantly, but be careful. Idiot Seth is the guy to watch out for. Yeah. I love that Seth is like, yeah, you're right. I am an idiot sometimes. <laughs> but at the fair. same time, I'll be coming for you. Yeah. So I love that. And then it goes to Grandpa interrogating Seth about the Nipsies being like, so the Nipsies... They're really far from the yard and not really known. How do you know about them? Satyrs. Satyrs talk, you know, Grandpa. Yeah. They, they told me. They described, like, this very specific situation that I definitely did not see with my own eyes. No, never, no, never. Yeah, and Grandpa does not buy a word of that. <laughs> of course. And <laughs> so, when he, but when he starts, Seth knows that this is, like, something important. And so, like, he tells Grandpa about the Nipsies and how they're dark. They're, like, physically, like, dark and, like, the way that they act is completely different from the other Nipsies. And Grandpa's like, this is very strange. But, you know, like, he like, tells Seth, like, you're doing the right thing by coming to me. But you got the information in the wrong way because you still broke the rules. <laughs> and so we go back to Seth... And Grandpa, you know, butting heads about the rules and, like, what Seth can and cannot do. But in a much given. more mature way. Yes. Seth is not just being, like, compl- like a whiny child. Being like, yeah. oh, but I want to go. It sounds cool. He's yeah. he's being, he's giving good points. He's like, I know how to handle myself. I've been learning from Tanu and Coulter. Whereas Grandpa is like, but how can I trust you to keep the big rules? Like, how can I trust you not to go into the more dangerous, more enticing areas if I can't trust you to do to stay within the yard mm-hmm. now. He's like, I would have given you more freedom if you could prove to me that you were willing to obey these simple rules. Yeah. And Seth's like, huh. I just love this conversation just because it really does show the maturity that Seth has grown and also the understanding now that Grandpa has of Seth. He's like, I know how this boy operates now. <laughs> I know how to handle him. Mm-hmm. Seth Kendra has probably been giving him some pointers. <laughs> yeah, just coaching him, being like, this is what you should and should not do. <laughs> but I also, I like this conversation between them because, like you said, it shows, like, Seth's more maturity. But also, as I was, like, listening to the book, I was, like, thinking about how this is just, like, a part of Seth growing up. And how, like, you know, when kids start to get a little older, they want a little more freedom, given this is a place where more freedom could get you killed but um i just think that's a really interesting like conversation because seth having had a little bit more experience with magical creatures thinks that he could take on a lot more than maybe he could but also i think it's that like grandpa doesn't 
think that he could take on more. So it's just kind of like this like example of a child growing up, wanting more independence, and then basically parent, grandparent being like, I don't think you're ready for that, but like you need to learn these rules before I can give you more independence. So I was like, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, Seth's growing up. I do like, I love the fact that it's not just a blanket no. Yeah. It's like, I will allow you to have this freedom if you follow the process, if you stay between the lines so that I know that when I let you loose, it'll be safe for you. Yeah. And that's how you know Seth hasn't matured completely because he, he still refuses to keep the roles that he should be in mm-hmm. order to advance to the more advanced roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do also love that Seth is like also admitting his faults. He's like, I know I've made mistakes. I've made horrible mistakes. Mm-hmm. Fable even has also almost fallen because of me. Yeah. But he's like, but I've learned from it, and I now know what not to do. To the point where, like, he is right. Like, he mm-hmm. is able to adventure from the yard and be safe about it. He knows what to do, what to, what to do, and what not to do when dealing with the satyrs. He is turning into a very savvy businessman, as yeah. well. I just, I, I do really like the conversation in this chapter. It does feel very mature, yeah, and earned. Yeah, yeah. You see the growth of Seth, and I like that. I do like at the end, he's like, can I get time off for good behavior? When that <laughs> like, miracle occurs. He's just like in negotiating mode. And I love it. Grandpa's answer. Oh, you never know what might happen should that miracle ever occur. <laughs> but they both know that that's a... Not gonna happen. Not most likely. <laughs> like possible, but not likely. Yeah. Yeah. And then so then the next portion of the chapter, we have the plot thickening with the, um, with the darkness where now mm. fairies are, like, Kendra overhears ha- fairies talking about the possibility of being both dark and beautiful, as opposed to, like, when they were imps, they were just dark and ugly. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're like, well, what if we could still be beautiful? And it seems clear that, like, some fairies are kind of into the idea, whereas others are not, which is interesting. Yeah. I-, I enjoy that, though. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, Tanu and Coulter, Grandpa's at Tanu and Coulter, to go investigate the Nipsies to see these, like, you know, what the problem was. And then they come back, and then they tell Grandpa more about it. And they're like, yeah, Seth was right. They are definitely different, and it is spreading to other, like, Nipsey kingdoms. Like, the darkness is spreading. And they also saw this, like... Fallen dwarf. Yeah, like, dark figure, which, yeah, they figured out was, like, a fallen dwarf. But dwarves don't have fallen states either. And so they're just like, crap, this is spreading around. And then Kendra mentions the fairies. And so they see that it's affected dwarves and nipsies and fairies already, you know. Who else it could be? Who else could be next? Yeah. And then I love this part where Tanu, like, when Grandpa, like, leaves the room, Tanu, like, beckons Seth over. <laughs> and he's like, I saw some footprints near the nipsies that makes it seem that you used Hugo to get to the Nipsies. And Seth is like, please don't tell Grandpa. And Tanu's like... Yeah, we would have already if we were going to. Yeah, if I was going to tell him, I already would have. And then he looks at Kendra. He's like, can you keep this secret? She's like, sure. I've already fulfilled my quota of riding on Seth for today. I'm good for a while. Yeah, basically they were like, yeah, we knew you were already in hot water. But next time, don't use Hugo for your little... Excursions. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that part. It's just like, Tony and Coulter have Seth's back. <laughs> and then, so, the next chapter is Kendra and company going to the 
going to Atlanta for the Knights of the Dawn gathering. And it's all very secretive. Mm. It's really interesting, kind of weird, that how, like, the lengths that the Knights go to to remain secret. They literally, they get in a limo to, like, drive out to where they're having the gathering. And Tanu brings out these, like, robes and masks and gloves even that they have to, like, put on. So they're literally, like, all wearing disguises. Completely obscured from, like, identification. And I was like... (laughs) Out of context, this would kind of feel like a cult or something. Like, it's a little weird. In context, it still kind of feels like one. Yeah, that's true. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just like, this is weird. Does anyone not think this is weird? Like, this feels like... Gavin does, apparently. Red flags. True. <laughs> All right. So, but once we get in here, um, the chapter is called... This is chapter four. It's called New Knights. And we find out why very quickly... As Kedra is not the only new knight being inducted into the convent, <laughs> into the cult. The society. Um, not society. That's the Knights of the Dawn. <laughs> knights of Dawn. Um, we also meet a, a another teen. I believe he's 18? No, 16? He's 16. He's not 18. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. 16. Because Kedra's 14. And about She's 15. 14. Yes. There it is. Yeah. So Gavin, who is 16, who is who has undisclosed talents, mm-hmm. as well as Estelle, who is apparently like an old woman and old, is like yeah. an archivist, so go her. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. You never come back again. <laughs> so we also have like a speech from the captain of the of the of the Knights of the Dawn, the, the head honcho, mm-hmm. who is like saying like, this is a treacherous time. We have confirmed the f- fact that there was a traitor in our midst, Vanessa. Yeah, uh, Vanessa. And also he's like, I have dismissed nearly 20 knights from the ranks, which is substantial consider i think there were like 50 at the meeting and this is like yeah for every single like every person was required mm-hmm. to attend in, yeah. except for very rare circumstances yeah i would say there's probably not more than 100 nights at yeah. most and he dismissed seven dismissed 17 for questionable circumstances yeah and then drops a bomb saying that he asks that every single night bring forward information on the secret preserves mm-hmm and I do love that this random knight, we don't even know who he is, but he's sitting at Kendra's table, mask on and everything, says, I was afraid of this. Like, right after that announcement Ooh. is made. Like, it's just, like, su- something subtle. And it's just, like, because, like, you hear, like, the muttering of the crowd. And I just find that very, very interesting that not everybody is happy about this. Not everybody is confident in the... In the fact that, like, in, in, like, the integrity of the Knights mm, of the Dawn. Yeah, that they're suspicious that they were traitors. And I feel like this just adds to, like, the secrecy of their, like, not saying why they were all dismissed. You mm. know, he doesn't say that, like, all of them were traitors. And it's just, <clears throat> you know, suspicious all around. <laughs> Because, so, of course, this yeah. also, like, this, one way or another, it could if the Sphinx is a traitor, it benefits him. If he's the captain or if he's not the captain, mm-hmm. which we leave being undisturbed by because the uh, one guy we have who knows for sure denies it. He's like, yeah. no, it's not. But even if he isn't, like, they all know that for a fact that the the Sphinx shares information with the Knights of the Dawn and receives information in return. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they're sure he definitely has informants, at least. He has informants in the Knights of the Dawn, and so even if he wasn't the captain, he would still be getting the info. Uh-huh. 
And so either way, this benefits him. If he is the bad guy, or if he's the or or not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and that also like points out that like the knights are also actively trying to get the artifacts and like collect them. And again, if if the Sphinx is the head, that means good or not, he would have access to all the artifacts, and that's a lot of power for one person. Uh huh. So. Mm-hmm. And I also do appreciate that like. Even after this, like, Dugan, who is their contact in the Knights of the Dawn, it's the lieutenant. So it was like, he's one of the four lieutenants that kind of oversees, like, four, a quarter of the Knights. Yeah. Also, Dugan is Maddox's brother. brother so it's Dugan Fun Fisk. Fact. Yeah. So that's interesting. Which is why we thought maybe Errol Fisk from book two was like, <laughs> oh, long lost cousin there. Yeah, something like that, but no. But, um. He gives Kedra her first assignment almost immediately, mm-hmm. and, which is like, and they say like, this is why we inducted her is because we have something we have need of her skills immediately, because guess who knows that she's very kind, the Sphinx. the Sphinx, and so he either a if he's not the leader, told this leader, or he is the leader and says, oh, I need her, mm-hmm. and so, and it's to go to one of the secret preserves and get an artifact. Yep. Yeah. And be prepared to charge it if necessary. Mm-hmm. And so she does so. Like, um, she and Warren debate about it. Yeah. Well, for first, a yeah. very long time. Yeah, Warren is like, um... Your grandpa is going to kill me. Yeah. Well, also, he's, like, debating with Dugan of, like, first of all, I have to go because I'm not going to let her go alone. She's a minor. She's only 14. This is her first assignment and like... I promised her grandfather that I would, like, she would not leave my sight. And, like, Dugan is like, I will talk to the captain about that. But, like, Warren is, like, not letting up on this. And then when Dugan leaves the room, Warren is, like, making plans with Kendra being like, I don't like the, first of all, the interest that they're all showing in you. And second of all, the fact that they're going after the artifacts this hard because, like, no one should have all of them or, like, no one should have more than one because... They already that's the have entire point more than one. Of yeah, separating them. Exactly. And so Warren is even now making a plan to like, if they get the artifact, he might have to try and steal it away, you know, just to like not let someone have all the cards in their hand. And so it's just intrigue and spies and stuff like this. I also love that when he's making his case to Dugan, he's like, besides, I am something of a curse breaker myself. <laughs> He's like, you know I'm good. He's like, uh, you know, I can I can do this. I got like, stabbed and Well Dugan doesn't know about yeah. Dugan doesn't know about the like the whole the, the fact that the Fablehaven artifact has been found. That's true. But I do just enjoy the fact that Warren's just like, you know I'm good. You know I can help out. <laughs> it's that is like Come on. that's like Patton coming down <laughs> through the generations into him being like I know I'm, you know I'm you an want adventurer. Me. You know you want me. I'm I'm pretty good. You're you're gonna want me along because right now all you're saying is that it's gonna be you, two teenagers, and like one or two people at the preserve. And he's like, one of whom is gravely me. injured, and as we find out later, lost the leg. Yeah, so it's not clearly not gonna be any help. Yeah, so Warren's like, you could use me. Uh huh. I love that too. <laughs> all right, so yeah, uh. And also at the at the meeting for the knights, um, the place that they were at was like this big mansion of these like rich people, and they collect fairies. And Kendra ends up in this like courtyard. 
she like goes out a door and ends up in this courtyard where there's a bunch of fairies and she starts talking to them and trying to be like do you know anything about you know the knights of the dawn or anything about secret preserves or artifacts she's like trying to like talk to them and she learns that she can like command fairies like if she like commands them in the name of the queen that they will have to obey her and so she like kind of learns like more of like her like authority i mm-hmm. guess of being very kind and i also love like because like at Fablehaven, it's been shown that she kind of gets the cold shoulder yeah like she's too popular now among the fa- fairies of Fablehaven because she was shown as being so highly favored of the queen mm-hmm. but now she's going to a separate group of fairies who even though they are so far removed from Fable Haven, have still heard of her. That's like, true. She yeah. takes off her mask and they're like, holy crap, it's you. Yeah, I know. I That's something I noticed too when she takes off her mask. They're like, it's you. And I'm like, wait, how do you know what she looks like? Is it, uh, it's probably fairy because magic. she is like glowing. Like they say mm-hmm. that she just like glows with magical power. Yeah, and they're like, it's true then. The yeah. queen has chosen a mortal handmaiden. Uh-huh. I really like how they put that because... The handmaidens are traditionally referred, like, of the handmaidens of the queen are the fairies themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the fact that, like, I just really love that, like, Kendra's now a handmaid. I love how Kendra's like, I'm what now? Yeah, like, she's, she's like, like, what do you mean? Where is the is the induction handbook? Yeah, she's like, there's not a job description for this thing. I need an orientation here. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, a booklet. Girl, like, I don't know. <laughs> Bullet point, PowerPoint, list something. Yeah, she's like, I don't even know what this means. She's just kind of learning it as she goes from, like, different fairies and stuff, which is kind of funny. She's not prepared for this job. Be prepared, (laughs) be prepared. I do not feel prepared. (laughs) Also, can I just... So, so Kendra is being sent to the uh, preserve in Arizona. Can I just say, uh, ha-ha, I'm from Arizona, (laughs) and... and, um, and you lived, it's on, like, Navajo Reservation. You lived, like, near there Very, for a very while. close for yeah. a good chunk of my childhood. And so I'm just like, ha, 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 representation. There you go. And so, like, the Lost Mesa, it, it, just, it just makes me happy. Especially, like, later on when we get there. It feels close to home, you know? It's great. So, yeah. Hee <laughs> hee. So, yes. Lots of suspiciousness, intrigue, and you know, questions come up from the new knights and their and their meeting. And so Coulter and Tanya have to return to Fablehaven without Kendra and Warren. And when they get back, Grandpa's not happy about it. I also, I lo- yeah, I love the end of chapter four with Kendra's last statement. She's like, because uh, uh, she's like, she knows that Tanu and Coulter have to go back. She's like, she feels a little sorry for Tano and Coulter because no matter how they were going to explain this for Grandma and Grandpa, they were going to be furious. Yeah. And she's right. She's like, I don't have to face that fury. That's not my problem. Unfortunately, though, it's Seth's. It is who Seth's. Gets, whose punishment yeah. uh, for going out to the Dipsies is doubled down and increased upon because now, because they're fretting over Kendra, they are now going to bear down harder on Seth. Yeah, now they're being more strict with Seth. So his punishment for going seeing the nipsies is technically over but they have not let him out of the yard and he is like under like constant supervision by mendigo and so this this chapter kind of opens up it's kind of fun because it's so creative because seth is playing baseball with mendigo he's like having mendigo pitch to him he's pitching mendigo and he like hits it wherever and since you know this is a puppet that just takes orders he like 
Mendigo can, like, throw it any way that he wants, hit it any way that he wants, and, like, do, like, anything. And so, like, I thought that was, like, a really, like, fun way to use Mendigo, be, like, yeah. play baseball with him. And it makes Seth sense. Like, Seth is like, I am born out of my mind. you got to let me do something. And yeah. so Grandpa was probably like, fine. Mendigo, take orders from Seth for a while. Keep him to the yard. Mm-hmm. And, like, Seth is like, Mendigo's just basically babysitting me <laughs> and making sure I don't leave the yard. And he also ends up, ends up saving your life, son. So, yeah. While he's playing baseball. We see dark fairies, not imps or anything else. Dark fairies who go to swarm it. I love, like, Seth initially being panicked because Mendigo is just charging him for absolutely, for it seems to be, like, no reason. Yeah, he, like, he's drops like, his mitt and uh, starts running at Mendigo, him. Mendigo, stop. Like, stop. What, what are you doing? Put me down. Uh-huh. But, like, Mendigo just grabs him and starts just charging for the house. Booking it. <laughs> and not a moment too soon because, like, as they're going, dark fairies start attacking, shooting dark streams of energy, trying to hit them. Mm-hmm. And they manage to get to the house, though. Where only Grandpa is at this point. Tanner yeah. and Coulter are off uh, scouting out new locations for the Nipsies to live. Mm-hmm. The, the healthy, light Nipsies. The good Nipsies, yeah. And Grandpa's out getting groceries off of the preserve. And so, like Dale's like at the stables, so it's only Grandpa. Mm-hmm. And so Grandpa's like, okay, Mendigo, you go get you go get Dale. I'll go call your grandma. Seth, you keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adore this part. Because after Grandpa leaves and Mendigo leaves, Seth realizes that this is the first time he's been unsupervised for a while. And he has the urge. He says, I, he's, he's like, I want to run out and I want to go and explore and like be with Newell and Doran and yeah. actually have some fun. And finally cast off this overprotective, like, hovering. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, he also says, no. After the scare with the fairies... After everything that's going on, he's like, Grandpa is right, and I need to step up. And yeah. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. right there. That is character development. Yes, he is growing. He suppresses the urge to run into the woods because he knows it would just cause more problems. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we can't deal with this right now. And something interesting is, like, while he's sitting out there, he sees Tanu. But Tanu is in a gaseous state. And he is like, well... Okay, first of all, what happened? Where's Coulter? And so, like, Tanu can't talk because he's in the gas state. So he gets him in the house, and he calls Grandpa, and they have to kind of do, like, a yes-no answer thing. Because all he can do is nod, shake his head, yeah. use his fingers. Mm-hmm. And so they start talking, and um, Seth mentions the dark fairies that attacked him, and Tanu starts pointing at him and is like, oh, that's what attacked you too, right? And so... Then they figure out that Tanu and Coulter were also attacked by the Dark Fairies. And then when Tanu, like, turns back into, like, a person, you know, Mm -hmm. solid, he tells them that, yes, they were attacked by the Dark Fairies because they saw a group of fairies, light and dark, that were kind of, like, battling and fighting each other. And that the Dark Fairies were turning the light ones to dark. But then once they, like, entered, like, the meadow where they were, the Dark Fairies started attacking them. And then... They got Coulter with some of, like, the dark, you know, energy or whatever that they were throwing around, and he just disappeared. No, they said, he, they, he said specifically that they started biting him. Oh, you're right. So, <laughs> they, yeah, they bit Coulter, and he just disappeared, and Tanu does not know anything else other than that. He doesn't know if he's dead, he doesn't know if he, like, turned invisible, but he doesn't think he turned invisible. 
because he didn't see any signs of like his like impressions in the ground or anything he doesn't know what happened just that they bit him and then he disappeared and then he drank the gaseous potion potion just in time just in time and so then he came back to the yard they don't know anything else in that yeah, and I love that we have also done this moment real quick with Grandpa Sorensen, mm-hmm. where he just like he he has a little breakdown for a good reason. Yeah, he 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 was good friends with Coulter, who for all they know he could be dead. It's like his oldest friend. Yeah, this is the third time in less than twelve months that Fablehaven has been put in jeopardy. Okay, maybe fifteen months, but still. Mm-hmm. And he's like. Is this, like, on me? Like, Yeah, he's like, am I jinxed or cursed or something? Am like, I doing something wrong? Yeah. And I love how Seth immediately comes to his to his defense and says, no, the first time, that was on me. Mm-hmm. Second time, that was on Vanessa. Yeah. We don't know what's wrong this time, but I know for a fact it ain't you. Yeah, I, I love that part because Seth and Tanya and Dale, who was also brought back by Bendigo by this point, are all like, it's not your fault. I love that. I love Seth's thing being like, no, that was my fault the first time. And then I love Tanu, who says, I know a lot of people in the magical community, and there's no one else that I trust more than you to take care of Fablehaven. And they're all just trying to, like, reassure Grandpa. And I feel like Grandpa's feelings are very valid because it just feels like one crisis after another. And he's also super worried about Kendra being, like, gone off, you know, and then all this crisis happening at Fablehaven. It just seems like all these things are happening at once, and it's like, out of their control completely and so i totally get his like feelings of you know inadequacy inadequacy and feeling like you know it's his fault even though it's not but i really like that after he gets like he needed this moment to kind of like break down a little bit and like his friends and family help build him back up to the point okay now he's ready he's like okay now he's back in control back in charge and says okay next step we're going to go talk to Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Like, they have been resisting that urge for almost two months now, I believe. Yeah. Because they're just too worried. They're worried that she's too dangerous. But now they're like, okay, we have no choice. Let's see what she knows. Yeah. They're like, we have no answers. We got to talk to her. And, and so I love. They do. <laughs> and I love how we show once again just how good of a spy she is. Like, mm-hmm. she comes out and she's just acting all nonchalant. Like, how long has it been? Yeah, that felt weird. I'm going to do some stretching. Yeah, I know. I enter a trance. He killed me. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, like, they just start, like, asking her, like, what, what what do you know? Why do you, how do you know this? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, like, it's kind of easy. Like, once you start putting it together, it's, like, it makes sense. Yeah. And, she, and, then she, and I love how she immediately puts it together. Like, and then she's like, now, let me guess. You are currently facing a crisis that will probably leave you guys all dead and Fable Haven fallen. And somehow the Sphinx managed to manipulate so that Kendra is not here while that's happening. And I just love how everybody just looks at her like dumbstruck, like, how did, how did you know that? <laughs> and she's like, I may not know how he does it, but he, like, he falls into a pattern. He operates the same way. I love how she describes it. She's like, whatever the Sphinx does his stuff, he, ta- he destroys all the ev- evidence, and then just to be safe... He burns down the neighborhood as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he covers his tracks immaculately. Yeah. And it's because she also suspects that the Sphinx suspects that she told them about his possible betrayal. 
And so she's saying that this is his way of covering his tracks. And, you know, he's got what he wanted out of Fablehaven. He got the artifact. And now, supposedly, he has, no he has Kendra where he wants her. And he doesn't have any use for Fablehaven. So he mm-hmm. said, might as well just add him to heck in a head basket. Yeah. Man, love that. And then when they describe it, she's like, like the the shadow plague. Uh, she's like, I've never heard that's really interesting. You know, like, this is like another, you know, I never know how he's going to do it. But this is, you know, sounds like some kind of thing that is going to be the end of Fablehaven. And you all should just leave right now because <laughs> you're not going to be able to stop it. Love it. Um... Yeah, I love how she's like, honestly, at this point, just put me back in the box. Yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm safer, safer in there. the box. <laughs> and I love, I, I, honest, I noticed that grandma is much more, like, <laughs> venomous. She, like, she, she is not, is not any crap. Nothing. Like, she is, like, she will not, she does not trust, she does not trust Vanessa any farther than she can throw her. Honestly, that's smart of her. <laughs> And also, but there's this part where Vanessa says that, like, she has a really big secret, but she will only tell them if it will lead to her release from the quiet box for Mm -hmm. good. And so that's just another way of her dangling information to lead to her um, hopeful, like, release from the quiet box. I do appreciate that. Like, we, we know she is not currently a good guy. She is not a good guy right now. She is a scorned woman who is trying to do her best to get back at the one who betrayed her. She's still playing her spy thing. She knows exactly how much to share and what to share in order to still keep the advantage. And she knows for a fact that what she, like she holds all the cards at this point. Yeah, she's she is their key to proving that the Sphinx is a traitor. Mm-hmm. She is their key to uh, figuring out like how to save Fablehaven. And she is, she is, she is there. Like they hate the fact that they need her. Yeah, they have to rely on her for the Sphinx playbook. And she is just riding along and just like, yeah, I know. She's so smug. And then there's this part where, like, when they put her back in into the um, quiet box, she's just like so smug because she just like knows how the Sphinx goes. Yeah, at this point, she's stuff. figured out everything. Like, she even knows to the, at this point that Kendra's in Arizona yeah. at the Lost Preserve. Yeah. And they're like, we didn't tell th- How? Yeah, she keeps figuring this thing out. And she's just so smug. And Grandma is, like, so fed up. And so Here, I'll do Vanessa, says, you do Grandma. Okay. Uh, Vanessa's like, fine. Like, she's going back, about to go back, go back in the box. Good luck with the Sphinx. Good luck with the plague. And good luck with seeing Kendra again. Turns around and goes back into the box. And good luck with ever getting out of there. Grandma, Grandma slams the door in her face. And I just love that. She's just like, shut up. Stop being smug. You're stuck in there. Like, stop. Stop trying to manipulate us. Yeah. Like, I love how Grandma's just like, like, as much as hate that Vanessa has for the Sphinx, that's about what, like, Grandma's feeling for Vanessa right now. She's like, I don't care that you're mm-hmm. useful. I do not like you. Yeah. I know for a fact that you're trying to use us against each other. Uh, like use us to get yourself free. And I am not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you manipulate us with using our fears. We are going to solve this on our own. Mm-hmm. And I love how, like, that does, that must put a little, uh, take a little wind out of her sails. Because she was like, oh, darn it. I was hoping they'd release me and let me help them. Yeah. And possibly backstab them while I was at it. 
Darth. Definitely backstab them. <laughs> so, yeah. There's just so many more mysteries happening because they don't know what the plague is, how to stop it, where it came from, and if the Sphinx is a traitor, you know. they There's, <coughs> there's so many unknowns at this Sorry. point in these first six chapters. And this is just really, like, setting up the rest of the book. So I really like these first six chapters because I think it does good of, like, starting off from the bomb that was dropped in the end of the last one and kind of how they're dealing with it. And then it gets us into, like, the plot of this one. Very quickly, I yeah, think. Yeah, very like, quickly. The first chapter. Like, we're at, like, chapter... Like, I think in chapter five is when we lose Col. No, we lose Coulter in chapter six. So the, and like, yeah, that was fast. Like, there are stakes right off the bat. Yeah. And so, yeah. Like, I... Uh, did you... Were you... Did you have... Did you have to wait for this book? Like, when it came out? Oh. Like, in between two and three? I... I think I started reading Fablehaven right around when this one came out. Okay. I don't remember having... No. I waited for the fourth one, but I don't think I waited to read this I, one. I just... I feel bad for the people who had to wait for this book. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a bad cliffhanger to end on with, like, one of the most trusted advisors being, like, cast in suspicion. Mm-hmm. Whew. Like, the whole thing with the Knights of the Dawn, because, like, I feel like in the first two books, you hear about the society and the Knights of the Dawn, and you kind of see, like, you think of, oh, the society is the bad guys, you know, they're literally evening star, you know, darkness, and then you have the Knights of the Dawn, who are supposed to be the good guys, yeah, the sun, happiness, light, but then in this book, you kind of... You don't that's, really like the knights. That's, yeah, it's kind of like thrown a wrench in that because the knights are super secretive. They don't let everyone know everyone else. They don't know the identity of the captain. They only know the identity of their, like, lieutenant and, like, some of the other superior. people. Yeah, their immediate superior and, like, some of the people in their group, when they do have meetings, they're all in disguise. Like, there's so much secrecy. And then they find out that some of them are traitors. Like, it doesn't seem like a good guy kind of group. But, yeah, it's just kind of interesting because, like, you think you expect them to be, you know, the good guys. And you're like, whoa, this doesn't feel like good guys. Because they have questionable motives. He's like a vampire Spider-Man with claws, but he's also a good guy. He doesn't sound like a good guy. (laughs) Like, that's honestly what's happening here. Like. (laughs) It's like this it secret Miguel. organization with a lot of secrecy, masks, and dark robes. They don't sound like the good guys. Yeah. Like, it's literally the exact same thing. But yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, any Seth or Warren or Kendra-isms that we haven't mentioned? Well, we, must, we mentioned a lot of this, yeah. uh, Kendra's. I, I think I got most of my Seth's in. Um, oh, there's one that I... Of Seth's that... I really like. Let me find it. The page. I've got one or two of Wolf for Warren while you're working on it. All right, it. do Warren. Um, he's just such a like. I I love him just because he's such a like a a dork <laughs> at times. Even though he is still like a total like like he'll take care of business. Yeah. Like when they're first like sitting down to talk after Tanu and Warren get back and like. Seth is like fawning over Tanu because he like he was injured. He was at a fallen preserve in Brazil. It sounds so cool. And Warren's like, uh, I'm here too. I had some close calls, really cool ones. And Seth's like, yeah, cool, fire enough. And like Warren's like, 
I could have almost died. Like, why can't you just give me some, like, respect? Drink water. Hello. And Dale's, I just love Dale's no-nonsense. Sit down. Cut it out. And I just love words. Little pow. Like, you're no fun. Yeah, he's like, let me do my theatrics. Like, this is what I do. <laughs> this is literally my shtick. So funny. Yeah, and then the other one is um, when they're getting into, when, they're, when they've just flown into the airport. Um, and let me see. Try to find the exact one. They're just going to the airport, and like they're waiting for they're they're heading towards the baggage baggage claim and t- to get to their to their ride, and they see like a chauffeur a chauffeur with a card like with a name card, and it says Tanuka Toa, which is Tanu's full name, and Warren just goes, "Why is it my name on the side?" <laughs> it's such a Warren thing. It's to say. so petty. It's also it's, a Seth thing to say. Like, I'm like, they're very similar. Yes. They, they, they could be brothers. Yeah. Honestly. So easily. Yeah. My, mine's in the, in chapter six, when Tanu's talking about like where him and culture were. And he says, um, <laughs> we were investigating that crescent shaped meadow near where the forgotten chapel used to stand. You know, the one. Sure. Dale said. Grandpa nodded. I would if I was ever allowed to explore, Seth grumbled. <laughs> He's just like, you know, I would know what you're talking about if you ever let me go out of the yard and explore places. Look at the record show. He is becoming more mature. But he's still himself. He's still bitter. He's just like, come on. Let me, let me, let me. He's mature when it me. counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like Warren. Yeah. When it comes down to it, he's got the stuff. Mm-hmm. But when he doesn't, he's, he's a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, why is it my name on the side? Why is it my Yes. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, they are such children. And I feel like. So great. Uh, I honestly feel like um, Brandon Will gave us Warren because there, he, what, Seth was so well received. And so he's like, well, what if we aged him up like 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd <laughs> have a real zinger. Future self. Okay, also, something that I didn't notice before is that Kendra is like thinking I don't remember exactly what part it's like when she's at like the night's meeting um she she like is thinking in her head that only grandpa grandma and Seth know that she's very kind which means Warren doesn't even know that she's very kind but I'm 90% sure she told him during the second book like at the end like she's like I'm this like well maybe she doesn't say it specifically Mm. But she does say, like, I can see in the dark. I can read all fairy languages, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so maybe that was I can recharge magical objects. And as far as I know, that is not a ability known to fairy struck. But you could say that, you know, fairy struck is also very uncommon. So the normal person wouldn't even know the that the, the abilities of fairy struckness. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, ooh, I'd have to check the. I'd have to fact check yeah. the book too. Yeah, maybe that was just a, a mistake, or maybe she doesn't actually say very kind. I don't know. She definitely details her abilities to yeah. Warren, who at this point I bet is smart enough to have figured it out. Yeah. And I mean, they do avoid saying anything to Teru and Coulter and Vanessa in the last book. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't know. That was just like, let me find it. Or she's like, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I, remember, I was like, wait, what do you mean Warren doesn't know you're fairy kind? I was like, what? If they can't trust Warren, who can they trust? Honestly, though. So then does she say fairy, or does she say she has powers from the fairy queen? 
in the second book. I don't know. She I don't might say fairy kind, but she might not. She might just say she has powers from the fairy queen. She led the fairies in a Yeah, because she does she mentions that she led the fairies. And that she now has powers because of it. Yeah, and that's how she convinces Warren to let her go into the tower with him. Because he you know could she could take care of herself. She can be an asset. So, but yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if she does say fairy kind. Hmm. Interesting. Intriguing indeed. We'll have to look. We'll have to so when does she that. tell them all? Surely by like the end of this book, I feel like. So yeah, guys, uh, I think that's everything for today. The next chapters will be the next six chapters. So starting with Las Mesa. So we'll get deeper into her assignment. Preserve, yeah. yeah, the secret preserve and see what else is happening at Fablehaven. Yeah. Um, I love the world building in this one. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, so, just yeah. a side note, once more, guys, sorry I'm not feeling too great today. That like A lot of that probably transmuted through the recordings, but I hope I'll be better next week or whenever we record again. It's all good. <sighs> Summer's Club <laughs> to a close, as you know, all know, so things are going to get more crazy as usual. Yeah. We're going to try and pump out some episodes this month before school starts again, but... Yeah, thanks everyone for joining us today on this episode of Knights of the Dawn podcast and for listening to our commentary on the first six chapters of Fablehaven, Grip of the Shadow Plague. Was that sorry, a sorry, I thought I was going to No, you're good. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to stop. It was stop. that close. <laughs> I was ready to stop. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, continue. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> if you keep that in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend and um, check us out on YouTube. Check out our new YouTube video of our tier list and leave a comment, a like, subscribe, you know. Remember, you can find this podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts and email us if you have any questions. You can find you know, our email address is knightsofthedawnpodcast at gmail.com. We just want to thank you all for listening and for any comments and emails that you send us because we love any and all interaction that you guys give us. Very, very true. Uh, thanks, thanks all for listening. We hope you all have a great day. And drink the milk. See, See you next time. See ya. See ya.